the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's going to be a hot summer, but not when you're driving. BNR Auto is your first name in affordable AC repair in San Antonio. Located downtown at 2401 West Commerce, our specialists will check your air conditioning for free. Call us at 215-1519 for all your car or truck repair services. We do the repair work no one really wants to do, and we do it right. Don't drive in this heat. BNR Auto stands for Burr. Mention the Bible Live for a 10% discount. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com. Or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Well, once again, Soapy Dollar is away from the studio. I am John Harrison, welcoming you to tonight's edition of The Bible Live Quiz Show with, I'm I'm not even going to call him sidekick, co-host. He is just host he is oh, i'm the, jacob uh, is right here yeah i am as i said last week the permanent temporary host the man with all the knowledge uh, really. and i am not soapy dollar and neither are any of you yeah, I, I i don't know if i want soapy to hear this but one of the wisest things he ever did was bringing this man on the show oh yeah and he and he's done so many <laughs> okay, listen to the point. Now, I'd love you there's to get your. To, yeah, there's a point. I'd love you all to get your Bibles uh, together and perhaps be able to look at something as we're talking. Tonight, we're going to do two interesting books Ecclesiastes and Galatians. And as John knows, because I told him a little bit of girl, go. <clears throat> um, 
Gomer Pyle's favorite book is Galatians because he says, Galatians. See, I thought Galatians were those things you wear on your feet when, uh-huh. when, it's, when it's raining outside. You uh-huh. put your Galatians on. and uh-huh. you're... Is that what you thought? Well, well you, I guess I guess that's something else. That must okay. be something else. So, anyway, John, uh, proceeding on. No, we're going to do Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is a Greek word, and but in Hebrew, from where the book comes, the word is Koheleth. Now, why is that interesting? Koheleth actually that's actually one of Soapy's questions, <clears throat> but. You can always tell when you Google things if you're looking at a quote-unquote Hebrew website or a, a Christian website. Like when you in Soapy's question on here and the answer, he prepares it with his family, I gather. And then he does me the honor of letting me pick the questions. And I can always tell whenever you're looking up something. Like, for example, people have heard the word Kabbalah. If you look up Kabbalah and it begins with a K, you're at a Jewish website. If it starts with a Q, you're at a Christian website. And the way they've got this is with a Q, but it's really with a K. And Koheleth actually means a gathering. It comes from the word that means gathering, but not a gathering of people, a gathering of sayings. And what we're going to see tonight is Solomon really put together the book of Ecclesiastes or Koheleth, but he's not the author of the sayings, and he says so in there. And it's a very, very interesting book. In fact, it's a very good choice to follow the book of Job. And then the second book, of course, we'll be doing is Galatians. Galatians has got some very difficult passages, especially from what you might say a Jewish point of view. And so I would like to just give you a little background about Ecclesiastes. Actually, when they assembled the Jewish Bible, there was a great concern about the book of Ecclesiastes or Kohelis because I was wondering they really it sounds like such a depressive book and he always talks about well, everything is futile everything is lost what's the purpose but they it was redeemed and saved by the very last verse in the book of Ecclesiastes and that verse is here's the sum of all things obey God's commandments but let me just, let's start running through this. Now, I'm going to give a couple of questions. I'll do, I'll do a couple from Ecclesiastes. I'll do a couple from the book of Galatians. I've actually already pretty much given you a hint on one. Um, <clears throat> who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? It doesn't say his name, but the author tells who his dad was, his father. And it also his author also says that he was a king in Israel. So we're able to discern who he is. So the first question is, who wrote Ecclesiastes? Isn't that an interesting question? But he really wrote it. He really gathered. He assembled. And we'll see a verse where he actually says that. Uh, Another verse that we'll do from here is, what does Solomon say about death? And, I'm, and the, you'll find that answer, actually, in chapter 4, verse 21 of Ecclesiastes. Fascinating verse. And if we stop and we know what the ancient Jewish understanding was, it begins to make sense. Now, in Galatians, well, let me pick a couple. And we're not 
limited to this. Anybody, anybody wants to call and talk about anything, that's great. If you want to disagree with me, that's great, too, because it gives me a chance to think and perhaps learn and perhaps disagree with you. But everybody's free to talk about anything they want. Hopefully it'll be on these two books, Ecclesiastes or uh, Galatians, and hopefully it'll be something that we can all benefit from. So please feel free to call because I think it's a lot better for us all to talk, and it does. I see John frantically punching buttons. John, we got phone troubles? Uh, he's waving at me. Either he thinks he's leaving or yeah, the answer is yes. <clears throat> anyway, okay, now let's do a little talking about Ecclesiastes. Now, I'm going to do something rather unusual. I'm going to go over to chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to start to read something because he actually starts off in the beginning he starts talking about the sun it goes up and it goes down and what difference if there's no changes but listen to the first verse in the last chapter of ecclesiastes now i am reading it from the hebrew translation so others may have a different translation which is fine john can can we get that call or what happened okay uh, he's telling me to keep going, like uh, I'm not supposed to ask him about that. Okay, well, verse 1. So remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of sorrow come and the years arrive, which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, I'm going to read ahead a little bit, but listen to this. This is really, because he's asking a question in the book of Ecclesiastes, and he actually gives an answer. So he talks about this, and he says, let's see, um, at the end, listen, it's 12-7, and listen to this. He says, when dust returns to the ground as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who bestowed it. And this is very interesting, because this is the idea that Solomon and the Jews had, and I think it rightly so, that's still the idea of what happens at the point of death. And so in Ecclesiastes, we actually start off by talking about what happened at the beginning. In the beginning, he starts talking about, um, <clears throat> and, uh, he starts talking about the sun. And he says, the sun goes up, the sun goes down. Is that correct? Well, we know today the sun really doesn't rise and the sun doesn't set. So does that mean the Bible's wrong? The answer is no, because the sun is referring technically not to the actual thing in the sky, but to something else. But why is he talking about something physical and observable? He picks that because the understanding was everything that's physical and observable teaches us something about the other side, you might say. So, he in, 12, in chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I, Koheleth, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I set my mind to study and analyze with wisdom all that happens under, the, under heavens. It is indeed a sorry task which God has given to mankind to be occupied with. And then he starts talking about life and death. But, before, but he uses the physical to start explaining what happens about life and death. But before I go on, what, why don't we take that first caller, uh, John. His name is Rich? Rich? Yes, sir. May we bring Rich up. Hello. 
Hello, Rich. This is Jacob. Uh, Jacob, uh, first of all, I hope uh, 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 that uh, your partner is not sick. Oh, no, 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 no. It's soapy actually uh, went, went on a convention, and then he's taking a few days, and he will be back uh, Monday, Tuesday. But, no, he's not okay. sick. He's having a great time. Okay, that's good. I'm glad he's having a great time. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I wanted to ask you something that's been bothering me. It has nothing to do with the program tonight, but all I want is a quick answer. Uh, how do you feel about cremation compared to burial in a coffin? Well, technically speaking, uh, the official Orthodox Jewish view would be that the body should be buried. But I guess in reality, dust to dust, as I say, in fact, it's in this book. That we're looking that, at tonight. That, I really that's don't. what I was. That's what I was going by, Jacob. That's that's my thinking right there. Okay. Well, uh, do you know? Let me ask you, Rich. And I know you're you're a friend of Soapy's, I believe, are you not? Right. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Do you really uh, know? <clears throat> pardon me. Historically, what Solomon's thought, or what the Jewish, especially the ancient Jewish understanding was of life after death. I'm not going to use all the words. We call it heaven, life after death, paradise, whatever you like to call it. And the and what really happens, what's in the book of Ecclesiastes, and in fact, it's in Job in chapter 34 from last week. And here we're finding it again. And I have found that there's really kind of not a familiarity with what it's all really about. But do you know what the old concept was? And, and indeed, I think fair to say, the modern concept is. Well, you know what? I have to admit to you and be honest. I just finished reading Job, uh-huh. and and uh, I cannot give you an answer. I, I just uh, nothing is uh, registering. That's fine. Uh, All right, that's that's uh, fine. Here, uh, here's what uh, what. Uh, I don't want to say. It. I almost said the name, but uh, do you know? Let's maybe we can answer. That. Do you know who wrote Ecclesiastes? Please, please say that again, Jacob. Sure. Do you know who wrote Ecclesiastes? Uh, uh, i got to tell you the truth. I'm thinking, uh, do you remember the two women that have the baby in front of Solomon? I do. And uh, he said uh, to one of his guards, take the knife and split it in half and give it half to each. I think Solomon did it. Yes, sir. That's exactly who wrote it, sir. And, uh, uh, because his wisdom is, when I read that many years ago, I thought... Boy, that was that was very very clever and intelligent. Yeah, and uh, you know that, what was he? Just out of curiosity, what do you take it that he was trying to show by offering to cut the baby in half? He was going to. Oh, he he brought out the real mother right. when he did that, and uh, because the one that said "give it to her, give it to her," that's the one that didn't want the baby to be hurt. Right. That was the mother. And what what? element or emotion was he driving at? What is his wisdom? You know, I can't answer that well, part. Actually, you have, but really his wisdom was to discern love. He knew that the real mother would love the child and rather, as you say, want the child alive, even with somebody else, yeah. rather than the child dead. Yeah. So that's really what it was about. He was able to discern love. And actually, when he does the book of Ecclesiastes, and he, we'll get to a verse, he actually collects this from other many and, other wise anyway, people. Anyway, that, that's what told me that, Jacob, uh, just that one uh, incident. Because uh, well, throughout the whole Bible, I have never 
I don't think I've read another thing that was as clever or as uh, intelligent as that. Well, uh, using that same reasoning, in chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, look what, what he starts talking about, these physical things. And he starts, the sun goes up, it goes down, and he's saying, everything under the sun, good or bad, everybody goes to the same faith. And in chapter 1, verse uh, 14, he says, The wise man has his eyes in his head, whereas the fool walks in darkness. Yet I also realize that the same fate awaits them both. So he's saying, look, what's the difference if you live well or you live bad or you do good or you do bad? And he's actually kind of using that same insightful reasoning he did on cutting the baby. Because the truth is, we all know that we all die. And and so it doesn't make any difference if you were a Mother Teresa or uh, John Gotti, what happens is we're both going to die. And he says, look, you're both dying. But he, but he has some very interesting things. And in chapter 3 of 21, he really gives what he says is pretty a very interesting understanding. And it's 321, he says, Who understands that the spirit of man rises or ascends? And the spirit of the beast descends to the earth. Now, if we read that, we, we think we understand, but actually what the ancient understanding, and as I say, today, this is not, I understand, this is not a Christian thought, but this was what this man was dealing with, that the spirit of the human being goes to heaven, but the physical body returns dust to dust. And so he says... That, that was my thinking... That was uh, that was my thinking, Jacob. Well, see, you're as smart as Solomon. Well, no, I'm, I'm nowhere near that clever uh, or that intelligent. But uh, uh, that was just my ashes to ashes, dust to dust has always been a phrase that I've known for many, many years. Right, and they, uh, that was the difference. Now, when in the Old Testament, when was the spirit? He created, if you go back and look at Genesis. Now, everybody hang on before you, uh, that's listening before they break their ankles jumping to a conclusion. I know that the, uh, the idea is, is that the Bible and most religious people say, well, no, there's no, that's not evolution. But I do want to point out one thing. In Genesis chapter 1, there is a chain of evolution. It starts off with water, then little creatures and birds and animals. He's working his way up to human beings. And then in chapter 2, verse 7, it says he blew his breath into the man. So what he did is he made a physical animal and another physical animal, man. But this time he put his spirit into him. Chapter 2, verse 7 of Genesis. So that started the idea. And everybody had the idea, because in Hebrew, the word breath and neshama are exactly the same word without the vowels, and ancient Hebrew did not use vowels. So what happened is, that's why you find it in Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible, and you'll find it referenced in chapter 34. You find it here, in uh, 321, when it says, the, the, the spirit ascends, the beast descends. He's actually saying that, look, the human animal is no difference in. And that's why he starts talking about the sun. The sun is something visible we can observe. And he's saying, look, 
if good and bad, they both die, what's the difference if you're good or bad? The sun goes up, the sun goes down. And he says, in the end, the beast, the animal, even the animal part of you and I, is going to go back to the ground. But the belief and understanding was and is the spirit returns to God. Now, anyway, so what's really interesting, and I'm going to read this to you. Here is the actual answer and theme in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in chapter 5, and it's 7 and 8. Let me turn to that real quick. You're gonna, this is very interesting. Uh, chapter 5, 7, 8. Um, did I, oops. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Wrong site. It's chapter 7, verse 8. Can't read my own notes. I'm going to have to get a better secretary. Okay. Verse 8. Um, where am I at? Verse 8. Oh. My God. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, Jake, you might have other callers. I don't want to take up everybody's time. Well, that's all right. You're doing good. And uh, But I, I do want to tell you that what he's saying is, is that people have no control over their spirit. God controls the spirit. Well, I believe that. I've always believed that. Yeah, that's that's not even self-explanatory, you know. Right. But what do you have control over is your physical body when you're alive. So you can choose to do good or choose to do bad. That is your free will. That's your control. And And that's what he's actually, actually choosing. And he's saying, that is what you can choose to do. And that is really the theme of what's, is it all futile? Because we all go to the same place. We all die. And he believes the spirit goes back to God. But he's saying, here's the difference. In your lifetime, you can, you can make a decision what you will do with your decisions. That is actually his answer uh, before... Uh, to this That's question. a good enough answer for me, you know. It's well, it's pretty uh, obvious to me. So, well, I'm glad to hear that, uh, and I think that it's it's it should be obvious because when you read this book, you think, man, because he, he said, uh, and uh, like he says in one place in chapter seven, verse twenty-seven, he says, "See, this is what I found," said Koheleth, adding one thing to another in the quest to the reason of things I sought something else which I could not find I could not find a man in a thousand that uh, had great judgment and not even a woman among many did I find now that when you read that that seems like he's saying there are no women that way that's not what he's saying he's saying he didn't find he didn't find one because we know he made some very bad errors with his judgment of wives and he had lots of wives so he's not talking about women as gender he's talking about what he was able to find it's so it's fascinating and this is this is really the theme he says no man has control over his spirit or to restrain restrain or control his spirit there's no authority on the day of death so what he's really saying is that's the theme. The only thing that makes the difference is what you have free will over, and that's what you choose to be like. And you choose, you get to choose to be like the beast 
an animal or you get to act like a spiritual being, a godly being. And right. it's a fantastic thought. And I don't know about you, but it makes me think, well, if that's the only thing I control, then I want to leave behind me some good things that people can say, I did good or I did bad. Yes. Yeah. That that's for sure. That that right there is for sure. You don't want to act like a beast or a corrupt criminal. Well, right, I don't Jacob, know. If there, maybe you. if there's a good criminal, I don't know. <laughs> thank you for answering my question. Sure, and it's, I, I believe personally, I think it's okay if a person wants to be cremated. Uh, I, I think they should die first, of course. Oh, yeah, that's always a good idea. Uh, it'd be pretty painful otherwise. It would be. It would be. In fact, I, I would <laughs> I would kind of insist on it. I think that's uh, the better choice. But if it's going to be dust to dust, you know, just as an interesting thing, they uh, some of the ancient early churches used to dig up people and burn their bones because they had the idea that they could not get into heaven unless their bodies were intact. So that was one of the reasons the Kusa or uh, cremation was not gonna, did not gain popularity. And listen, I know we're out of time. I'm going to let you go, and we'll come back after the break. Thank you. All right, thank Rich. you, Thanks. Jacob. Thanks. Bye bye. Oh, hi. Are we still on the air, John? I thought you yes. said we had one minute. We had one minute. Until we're getting ready to go to break. So oh, I see. Okay, so he's wiggling his finger in the air. Just I thought I was all done, there, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, anyway, so anyway, that's what's called dead air on radio, sir. Yes, we're going to cremate that air shortly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so what the point of this is is that he's really saying that what you do control is what the decisions you can make uh, control over. And he's saying, so you can actually, you have no control over anything spiritual, only physical. So are we going to the break now? Yes, now we're going to the break. Okay, then now we're going to the break, and then we'll come back after, right, John? That is correct. And don't forget, if you have a question or comment, you can call us right here in the studio. Do you have a phone number? 340-9585. Uh-huh. That's 340-9585. Thank you, John. Jacob and I will be right back with more of the Bible Life Quiz Show. You're listening to KSLR. with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. This is Michael Medved for townhall.com. The superb new movie Dunkirk conveys important messages about a fateful episode of World War II. In May 1940, the rapid Nazi advance through France trapped a huge British army on the coast, offering easy targets for Luftwaffe bombers. The Royal Navy couldn't rescue the troops from the beaches, so the government rallied civilian craft. Some 650 of these little ships helped take more than 300,000 troops 
to safety at home. This miraculous evacuation exemplified the Dunkirk spirit where private initiative saves the nation in a crisis. Watching this thrilling movie, American citizens should find our own Dunkirk spirit to help our country overcome present dangers. We should also recall the example of the new prime minister in 1940 who inspired his countrymen after Dunkirk by pledging, we shall never surrender. Churchill's words remind us that our politics can rise once again to grandeur and nobility. I'm Michael Medved. If you lease office, retail, or warehouse space for your business, the last thing you want to do is overpay the landlord. But it happens every day. Hi, I'm Scott McMurray and president of Bottom Line Realty Advisors. We work with business people who want an effective strategy for their next real estate decision. Whether leasing or buying, it affects your bottom line. Your landlord has representation, and you should too. Even if you're a good tenant with no plans to move at all, you're the most vulnerable to getting a really bad deal. We only represent our clients, never landlords, so we have no conflict of interest. We stay on your side. Call me, Scott McMurrian, at 210-535-7800, and we'll negotiate from a position of strength. BottomlineRealtyAdvisors.com. Bottom Line Realty Advisors, we get the landlord off your bottom line. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. And welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. And, of course, you know where that song came from, the lyrics. Ah, I do. It's Chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. How appropriate. I thought you were brilliant to locate that song. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you staying with us through the break for the second segment of tonight's program. And here's Jacob again. Hey, thank you. And, uh, yeah, he just played that song. It's from a group, I believe it's called The Birds. The Birds, yes. And they actually recorded Chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. Everything has a season, a time for everything under the sun. I want to say Pete Seeger adapted that. I'm not totally sure on that. I know he did a version, but I don't know for sure. Well. Uh, I think the first version was done by Solomon, yeah. Well, yeah, the the original text. Yeah, and if you ever listen, if you look at the words, a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap, a time to kill, a time to give birth. And and he's making a balance for life. Anyway, let's go ahead and take, uh, he said Esther's on the line, right? Let's take Esther. Yes, sir. Hello? Hi, is this Esther? 
Yes, hi, Jacob. Hey, I hi, wanted, yes, I was listening to uh, Rich talking about uh, uh, cremation or not, and you were talking about the uh, that God has control of what happens to your spirit. Uh-huh. And you have control of what happens to your body. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, I found a scripture for you in Deuteronomy chapter 9, oh. like three scriptures that back that up. But Feel free before, to read it. Okay. Before I read it, I'm going to say that uh, if you picture, before I start reading, uh, God taking the nation of Israel into the promised land as a clear picture of him bringing us into uh, the Garden of Eden, okay? Uh-huh. So with that in mind, this is what uh, God is taking them into paradise, as it were. So chapter 9 of Deuteronomy, verse 4, says, uh, when God repulses them, that's the Canaanites, before you, do not say to yourselves, it was because of my virtue that God brought me to occupy the land. Verse, let's see, I think that's, oh, that's still four. For it was because of the wickedness of these nations that God is driving them out before you. So it was nothing that they did in the physical Okay, and then it goes on, verse 5. It was not because of your virtue and basic uh, integrity that you were coming to occupy their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations whom God is driving out before you. It is also because God is keeping the word that he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it is, uh, as you say, uh, it is always God that makes a decision and we all think in that he's so merciful and he sent us salvation so we call him Yeshua or Jesus some people call him Jesus. Well, anyway I just wanted to share oh, that yeah, I, think that's I really appreciate I really appreciate that and as uh, since I know you're a, you're a very knowledgeable biblical person uh, are you familiar in the book of Galatians a very interesting passage that uh, it's in chapter three, and uh, it's um, and it's uh, sixteen seventeen. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed. Uh, he does not say unto the seed as referring to many, but to one, and uh-huh. to your seed that is, and this is that is Christ. Now seventeen is the interesting one I want to get to. What I am saying is this. The law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously uh, ratified to God or by God so as to nullify the promise. Do you, do you, are you familiar with that verse? Uh, I'm looking at it uh-huh. in the King James translation. Okay. Do you know what he's referring to? Uh, let me reread it in the King James, sure. if, if you may. And this is, and this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, uh-huh. cannot disannul what it should make the promise of, that it should make the promise of none effect. Uh-huh. So that means the law came 
450 years after Abraham, right? That's right. And it was something before God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, that would be after Abraham. Right. Cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. And what promises he, because the book of Galatians, frankly, is a very, very uh, well-accepted book, of course, in the Christian world. It's a difficult book for, for Jews. I think that's a fair thing to say. What promises he, is he referring to? He, well, he's promising a redeemer. Uh-huh. Redemption. redemption. He's promising redemption. Okay. Uh, we would agree that the 430 years appears to be what took place in Mount Sinai, correct? Uh, I thought it was, for, yes, at uh, Mount Sinai. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to argue, uh, Paul is, in the book of Galatians, mm-hmm. what he's trying to argue and feel free to disagree with me. It's okay. Uh, but he's, he's trying to argue, he says, look, the Gentiles, really, they can if they choose, but they're under a covenant that was given with Noah. And therefore, that's why they had the Noah laws, as it says in Acts 15. And he's saying, look, that covenant is not disannulled or annulled, because God gave the law later, 430 years later, at Mount Sinai. So he's trying to make the argument that even if the ones who are not Jews do not accept the Jewish idea and do not follow the laws, they still have the promise of God because Abraham was the first, what we call the first Jew. So the promise was to mankind and after the Noahide promises. So then, and that included all of mankind, all, everybody, womankind, everybody. And then later, when at Mount Sinai, when this law was given, the law was given on how to live on this earth, not to get to heaven. And so he's trying to make the argument, as I understand it in the book of Galatians, look, if he made a promise then that promise stands. In fact, he gave the law. doesn't make the promise invalid any longer. So he's trying to keep people from the non-Jews, and the Galatians in this case, uh, to adopt something that they really were not required to adopt. They're free to, but they don't have to. And in this book, there's a, he refers to something that is a kind of an alarming phrase he calls them he, uh, in the book judaizers have you yeah. heard, you heard that term i've heard that term and it's, it's in there now i'm gonna may i put you on the spot a little bit and ask you what was yeah. a judaizer who are they i guess it was people to me i always thought it was people who uh, said they were Jews, thinking that that would give them a ticket to heaven because Jews are the Jewish people, are the chosen people. Uh-huh. Then all you, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to behave a certain All you had to do is be Jewish, uh-huh. and you're on the with God. Do you know this is a real shocker? Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. The Judaizers are Christians. And they were 100% in the Christian church. They were both. 
uh, Jews mm-hmm. and non-Jews, but they were part of the Christian church. However, they also taught that the, they needed to follow the Jewish customs, the Jewish laws. And, you know, there are groups around today, even groups of messianics that believe in Jesus. He's their Savior, their Christ, Messiah. And they also like the Jewish customs, and they follow those too, and they keep the Jewish laws. So that actually, when they're saying Judaizers, the tendency is to think, oh, this must be Jews saying this. It's actually not. And you can actually Google and read read about them. They're actually in the Christian church, but also trying to implement the following of the laws, not for salvation's sake, but for uh, the way to live. But they want to make it a combination of uh, faith, grace, and doing the laws. Now, I know that there are certain... I think that's correct. I would agree with that. Faith, grace, and the doing of the laws all go hand in hand, and I believe that's taught in the Bible. And your question to me was, do I agree or disagree with uh, your position about the Noahide? You mentioned Noahide laws. Uh-huh. And uh, Noahide laws are seven laws, one of which is do not eat the limb of a living animal. Right. I mean, as if somebody would have to be told such an outrageous thing. Mm-hmm. If, if a person is going to uh, obey, worship the God of the Bible, okay, mm-hmm. the only God that there is, uh, to me... You know, I have chosen to to say this is the writing of the creator of the universe sent to me uh, through the hand of prophets writing and delivered to me by the by the sometimes unwillingness of the Jewish nation to maintain that list of instructions. Okay, you say all a Gentile has to do to believe in this God is to obey the seven Noahide laws. But there were ten words given at Sinai, not seven. There were ten. So why would you withhold the first one? Uh, God saves me out of the land of Egypt. That's a land of sin. Out of the house of slavery to sin. That's commandment number one. I am to remember that. How come that's not in the Noahide laws? And that's what I have against the Noahide laws. I believe that if you are a call yourself a child of the living God, you must obey all ten laws. And if you're wise, you will open up the book of the law, the Torah, and find out how to deal with your fellow man because the Creator told you how to do so. <laughs> that's what I think. Oh, that's the no- yeah. I don't believe in not hide laws. I, I understand that. I can tell that's not. Uh... That's that's not very palatable to you, and I, I understand that. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you. Um, and, uh, the the difficulty is, you know, of course, not everybody wants to follow all the commandments, and a lot of people don't want to do the Jewish stuff. Yeah, the children don't want to obey their parents either. But if their parents are wise, they'll make sure they'll do it. You know, for their own good. Well, since I I got you on the phone, one more thing. There is a very, very interesting phrase in in the um, uh, chapter in Galatians, and it's in Mm -hmm. chapter 5. 
Um, and uh, it starts off in verse 1 and 2 talking about circumcision. Okay. And uh, then when it gets over, and did and this is always interesting, did Paul ever tell people to go ahead and fully emasculate himself? In other words, remove the male sexual organ. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I think that Paul, uh, I think that he spoke uh, on his own authority. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, no, he did because he even admitted that he did. This is coming from me, not from God. Oh, that's okay. This is what I said. So yes, he did say that. Yeah, he did. It's in verse 14. And what he's saying is, if it's troubling you that much, I just wish you'd go ahead and cut off the whole thing. <laughs> because he, yeah. because there are people, the Judaizers in particular, mm-hmm. uh, and people always are shocked when they find out it was really Christians. Um, and you, anybody can Google and say exactly who they were. But what he's saying, he got, and I think it's out of frustration and anger and, and kind of uh, what they call reducto ad absurdum, which is kind of an exaggeration, a certain amount of frustration, perhaps humor. Because he says, look, if it's if the circumstance thing is bothering you that much, why don't you just cut the whole thing off? And, of course, I don't okay. think he meant it. I think he was being frustrated. But I, it's always fascinating because yeah. he's really, because it, it's there, and it shows that he can get pretty irritated himself at times. Yes. So. Well, I, I don't know about that, but I don't know how that relates to the, the Ten Commandments or the Noahide Law. <laughs> well, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you, because the circumcision was a covenant mm-hmm. between whoever did this, primarily the Jews, and God, and mm-hmm. uh, and so and that that circumcision was practiced as we know among the Jews and some others, but mm-hmm. the non-Jews, the Galatians, uh, actually they, who they're talking to in this book, they didn't really practice that. Uh, by the way, the Galatians, uh, the, today it's Turkey, and. They are, today probably are not the same people Paul was talking to because the Romans and uh, referred to them as the Galatas. They were a group of Gauls, you know, and they had mm-hmm. kind of invaded and settled there. Well, and later Rome annexed, and so the people who are there and there today may not be the same group culturally and genetically that was there at the time of Paul because they were actually Gauls. And so they it's very interesting because they were, they could be a warlike people too, and they had actually conquered that area and taken over. But mm-hmm. so what's fascinating is if the circumcision is the covenant of keeping those laws, then what Paul, as I understand, is saying you don't have to do that. You just have to know these seven. And quite frankly, uh, they do come out of Genesis and after Noah. And I, I have always understood that it was about, look, uh, you don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to do all this stuff. But there are certain basic minimums that was incumbent. The basic minimum is to love the God of the Bible, and the Noahide laws leave that off. Well, uh, I I don't know. I, I 
I would tend to think that that's not left off, but I do know I the one you put about not eating. Well, you know, when you you look at and I, I want to return real quick to the one you said about cutting eating a limb off an animal. Well, yes. you know, believe it or not, I, I've read about this. And they had, what they would do is if they had a, a sheep or a cow, they'd actually amputate a leg, close up the wound, and yeah. let the, they didn't have refrigeration. So they would yeah. cut off a limb and barbecue it, close up the wound, save the animal so the animal was still alive with three legs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Th- that's, in our sense, that's barbaric. And that's why that was yeah. part of the one of the seven noid laws you're talking about, because no, no, it seems no concept of uh, of the idea of what you're doing and maiming an animal and eating it while it's still alive. It's very beast-like, and and the idea was was to get away from being a beast. How, the, how did the seven noid laws become so elevated when they are nothing compared to the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments is love and honor and trust in God Almighty and observance of his Sabbath and respect for your parents. Do not lie, steal, uh, kill, blaspheme, all of these things that make sense. And then out of nowhere, you get a no-eyed law. Don't chop off a leg of a cow and barbecue it, and a cow is supposed to keep grazing in a field with three legs now. It is, and and actually, but I do think what Paul's arguing by saying, look, those things uh, were given to Moses, I'm I'm sorry, Abraham, after after Noah. And so, and you can find them in the book of Genesis. And then, of course, the law that we're talking about didn't come along till Mount Sinai. And so, but mm-hmm. he's saying, so look, if God said to the basic laws for the humanity, look, this is minimum stuff, uh, then that's what he was saying. He's not saying anybody can't go ahead and go all the way and follow all the laws. I think he'd probably encourage that kind of thing. Yeah. I, but... I think, and even in the book of Acts, in chapter 15, you'll find, that's the famous circumcision chapter, and what, when it says James was reading it, and he, and he said, and he made this ruling, he's not changing the law, saying the, that the Gentiles did not have to be circumcised. Quite frankly, he's upholding it. In verse 20, 21, he, James actually says, I'm doing this from memory, so I might get it exactly right. But what he actually says, he says, from the time of Moses, this has been said. So if I call at that time, he was actually quoting it. And if I were to call pretty much any rabbi in the world and say, and they'd say do you have to become Jewish to get to heaven? They'd say, of course not. But God does expect certain minimum conduct out of it. And one of the other rules is to set up a system of justice. That's one of the no-eyed laws. And in there is to... But that, on your your subject of circumcision, though, uh uh, it's as if every Jewish person, every Jewish male is circumcised. That's not true. In the entire wilderness uh, wandering, no male was circumcised, okay, even though they had the laws or the sign of the covenant, 
uh, between God and Abraham was circumcision. Nobody was circumcised in the wilderness as they wandered. And the, before they can go into the land, everybody had to stop and get a circumcision mm-hmm. or make a cut a covenant with the living God. And okay, so it's never too late. You, you don't necessarily get circumcised on your eighth day. <laughs> but well, it's that's never true. Too late. You're, and you're right. When they were crossing after they had traveled through the wilderness all that time and they're crossing into Israel. Uh, that's mm-hmm. true. Many of the ones born in the desert had not been circumcised. That's true. And uh, and the commandment came, uh, okay, make sure everybody's circumcised, and then you get to go into the land. Uh, so you're absolutely right about that. Uh, now, what's interesting, to me anyway, is that it did. they didn't, they weren't circumcised, but they did have to get circumcised when they went into Israel because that was part of the covenant. In other words, to keep yeah. the commandments. And by the way, uh, what what what, uh, what part of the body does get circumcised? Your ear, your nose, your finger? It never in the I Torah. I heard that. Huh? I heard you talk. I heard you talking about that one. Yeah. I heard you talking with right. soapy. Yeah. And the reason I know what is circumcised is because tradition tells you it's not actually written uh-huh. in the Bible describing. What member is addressed? That it is orally uh, passed down. So the things that have been told to us from of old also matter. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's absolutely right. And 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 I'm always interested when I hear, you know, quite frankly, a lot of preachers talking about this. And I've had this conversation with preachers, and I've said, well, how do you know what part of the body it is? Because it never says. And, yeah. and I try to make the point, the only reason you know is because the Jews had the tradition, they told you the tradition, and that's oral. So when you criticize what they call the oral Torah, remember right. that you're, you, that's where you learned it from. You the wealth of The other thing sure. is uh, when it tells Moses to slaughter their offering in the customary method. Look through the Bible, you'll not find it listed anywhere. So they uh-huh. knew what it was. And so all that stuff, there is a certain amount of oral explanation that goes with it. In fact, even in uh, some of the new gospel, or the gospel letters, uh, Paul will say, remember everything I taught you when I was there, but he never says what it was. So there was teachings that were oral. Now, see, that is exactly why you're on the radio, to help people hear the things that aren't necessarily written and to bring another perspective and bring uh, the Jewish understanding. And either you're signed on to it or you're not, you know, as a believer in the God of Israel. I mean, after all, uh, he calls himself the God of Israel. He made this nation. And I think that it's, uh, you learn the most about the Bible if you uh, hear from a Jewish person who also knows the Bible. Well, here, here's, an interesting, here's an interesting point, too. <laughs> when they do the uh, the ark, I'm sorry, the blood on the door frame in, in Exodus, it's not on the roof, it's not on the walls, it's on the door frame. And right. it's actually using the same word 
that they use, and that's a Brit, but that's a circumcision. So they're circumcising them out of death. So it's actually that same thing that takes place. And in fact, I'll tell you something interesting, the rainbow in the Bible. Everybody knows about the rainbow. God promises, hey, uh, I'm not going to drown y'all. This will never be done again. That is the covenant. And of course, you can see it's kind of a circular thing. And it, too, uses the same word that's used for circumcision. Isn't that fascinating? That is. I did not know that. Well, I have kept you long enough, and I appreciate the time that you gave. And continue on. I'll be listening. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Okay, how much time we have there, John, for the break? 30 seconds? 10 seconds? Oh, uh, we're getting ready to go to it. Okay, well, if if you'll allow me to finish the last half hour after the break, I'll say you can go to it whenever you're ready. Sounds great. And if you'd like to do what Esther did and call in with a question or comment, you can do so at 340-9585. That number again is 340-9585. Jacob's going to return in just a moment with more of the Bible Live Quiz Show right here on KSLR. And welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. Putting your hand in the hand of the man who stills the water. A request there for a little ocean. <laughs> great, great song. And that is a great song, isn't yeah. it? All right, are we ready? 340-9585. That's All the number. Right. Okay. If you want to call in and get in on this merriment. Let's get another caller in real quick. Let's go to Bob. Greetings, uh, Jacob. Hey, do you have any, any? Do you have any quiz uh, quiz quiz items? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, you want one? Just uh, throw throw one at me, cold. I I only joined the show about fifteen minutes ago, and oh, I heard some of Esther's call. Oh, I know. You can, uh, but you I, can catch it. You can uh, they archive it, and you can always listen to it. Of course. Mm-hmm. I was actually, this uh, this nice weather threw me off, and I forgot to tune oh, in at nine o'clock. Okay. Um, there is a, a, very, a very simple question, actually. Uh, when Solomon is talking about uh, um, what you should do uh, to uh, in, increase uh, in your understanding of God, what does he quote? And let me, it's, you'll find, the answer is in uh, Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12. Okay. 
What are the advantages of not being a loner and being having companionship? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, well, too much of an unexpected question. Well, if you, I know if you if you fall, if you fall, a companion can help you up. All right. Uh, I, I, but I don't know if that's uh, the passage uh, that you're referring to. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, also you can stay warm with a companion. Oh. Uh, and uh, that's also a passage, but I don't know if it's the passage that we're looking for here. It's okay. It's we've basically got the idea that it's uh, that you've got uh, the mutual comfort and support, and better defenses. Mm-hmm. Three chords uh, are harder mm-hmm. to break than one. Mm-hmm. That kind of idea. Well, you uh, yeah. did you have something else on your mind you wanted to talk about? Or? Well, sir, I uh, the Esther's uh, call kind of. Put a, a thought in my mind that I, I've mentioned to you before. It does. Moses does say, uh, and the Most High does say, two or three times in the law, circumcise your heart. Yes. Uh, he now, I, I, I don't think there was a uh, cardiac surgery at that time. It's uh, more something that has to happen on the inside of the person. Uh-huh. And uh, but uh, I, that's kind of anatom- semi-anatomical, but it's sort of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, sort of a poetic uh, way of saying you, can, you need to change on the inside, uh, <laughs> but uh, you, using anatomy in there. But uh, uh, also, it's uh, having to do with uh, the uncircumcised person. Uh, the uncircumcised heart uh, has a stiff neck. Uh, there's another little piece of anatomy that's in the Torah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, I, I've read a little bit on Chabad.org about. Uh, <clears throat> Being uncircumcised, you listen to the law and you, you put this uh, this life. It says if, if we do the commandments, it is life to us, and so that means it gets the life is in the blood, so it gets in your blood, and it becomes a, 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 a part of your bloodstream, as it were. So that's a little bit anatomical, and um, also the Habad is saying that if we uh, are uncircumcised, the the uh, uh, the law, when we don't do it, when we reject it, or when we don't believe it, and, and uh, it uh, it hardens us, it, and it's kind of like a hardening of the arteries, so it, it becomes a cardiovascular problem, a uh, med- medical problem, and uh, uh, so there's a little bit of anatomy in there, but uh, I I I, uh, I was reminded, I was reading an article by Rabbi Soloveitchik. I think it's the grandson of the great Rabbi Soloveitchik. Uh, he has an article on the Internet about Lincoln's passing and how, how the Jews reacted to it because it was telegraph in those days. And they, so they knew, and they knew about it in New York and Philly uh, by, the, by the morning because he was right in the middle of uh, Passover, right in the middle of Passover week and uh, on, on, on Shabbat night. And uh, they they heard about it and they and they uh, sermonized about it on the synagogue. And in fact, one of the rabbis broke up and he he couldn't finish his sermon. And uh, then uh, another rabbi in New York at the Sherit, that's the oldest synagogue, he gave a blessing for the dead that is supposed to never be given for a non-Jew. He he gave it that day, and and he's. Um, you know, he was upbraided a little bit for it, but then other people uh, saw his point. Uh, and after all, this man's name was Abraham. <laughs> but uh, 
but uh, his his uh, he was embalmed, interestingly, and they uh, apparently <clears throat> this was described. I don't know if it was in Soloveitchik's. Uh, I think it was not in Soloveitchik's uh, essay, but it was in another book I was reading. <clears throat> they they inject this stuff into you. When you die, you lose the blood pressure, and your body begins to kind of shrivel up. And uh, it's not a puff, it's not puffed up like we are normally, with, you know, kind of kind of soft in our flesh. And and uh, they, they, the uh, embalmers inject this stuff into your bloodstream, <clears throat> but it becomes like a uh, you become like a statue. It hardens into a rock type of thing. So it kind of reminds me of the, the uncircumcised person when he <clears throat> when he. Uh, doesn't want to listen to the law and 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 put it into practice. It, it's a cardiovascular uh, problem, such as hardening of the arteries. Uh, you know, when when too much uh, calcium uh, is, is gets into the walls of your arteries, they harden, and you, your arteries aren't like a garden hose that kind of flexes with the pressures of life. They 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 get stiff, and they. Uh, eventually can uh, form a blockage, you know, or or that <laughs> you can actually damage the, the artery wall and then the, <laughs> the, 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 the rock stuff comes out and, and damages your, the inside of your, uh, your cardiovascular system. But uh, there's a little anatomy there uh, that, uh, that kind of came to mind when, when you and Esther were conversing. Let me ask you, do you know, uh, it's actually in chapter, I don't know if you got your Bible handy, but it's chapter 12, verse 10. Did you know that uh, Solomon, who calls himself Koheleth, uh, the collector, mm-hmm. the gatherer of these things, mm-hmm. do you know he actually yes. says that he didn't write these things, neither did he write all the Proverbs. He, uh, mm-hmm. Verse 10 it says, Koheleth mm-hmm. sought to discover the valuable sayings and, the, and properly recorded all the words of truth. For the sayings of the wise are like goads, or collection of things, and they are flat-headed nails, well-driven, given by a single shepherd. And the single shepherd is referring to, of course, mm-hmm. Moses. And uh, are you aware of that, that he is really not, he collected them, he gathered them. Yes. From gathering. He didn't actually write them all himself. Mm-hmm. That is my opinion of the Book of Proverbs and also Song of Solomon, Sher Sherim, uh-huh. and also Ecclesiastes, which is actually uh, the the it's it's Koheleth, which is really means it's the when you when we say church, I don't really believe in the word church. I believe it should be ecclesia if you want to use Greek, but uh, uh, it means the the, the ch- when you say church, you really mean. We really mean the Koheleth, the, the caller. Uh, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Uh, I, I believe it was compiled uh, from his writings. And uh, I, I think clearly Song of Solomon is, is clearly a piece of uh, theater theater work with a, with a uh, choir and with actors and actresses uh, that is compiled from Solomon's uh, life story. Yeah, my Clearly, the, the the girl and and her her lover, and then the, the, her her friends, and uh, the, her friends can form a choir. Uh, when they ask her questions, then she responds to the choir from from the questions, and that uh, uh, then the lovers you, speak to uh, each other. I actually read something, if I may. Let me share a couple of these lines from the last chapter in Ecclesiastes. And this is like when a person is getting ready in the last moments of life before they die. 
Uh, he says, when the guards of the house tremble, when the men of valor are bent, when the grinders become idle, for they are few, when those who peer through windows grow dim, when the doors onto the street are shut, when the noise of the mill grows fainter, when one is awoken by the sound of a bird, and all the strains of music are muffled, when one is afraid of heights, and there is terror on the road, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper becomes a burden, and desire wanes as a man sets out for his eternal abode. Listen to that when he sets out for his eternal abode. And the mourners go around in the street before the silver cord is cut and snaps, and the golden bowls crash, and the jar is shattered at the fountain, and the jug is smashed at the cistern. When dust returns to the ground, as where it was and came from, and the spirit returns to God who bestowed it, it will be said, utter futility, said Koheleth, all is futile. And did you know that the rabbis were really, really concerned about including this book in the collection of the Torah? And what no, happened? I did not know that. Yeah, and it goes on to say, but I, I'm going to read you the passage that made all the rabbis and the sages throughout the ages comfortable with including this book into the Tanakh or the Old Testament. And I'll, I'll read this. Uh, it starts at 12.12. But beyond this, take care, my son, for there is no end to the composing of many books, and extensive study is physical and exhausting. The sum of the matter is, when all is considered, fear God and observe his commandments, for that is the whole of man. For God will call every deed into account, and everything hidden, whether good or evil. For the sum of the matter, when all things is considered, fear God and observe his commandments. And that's uh, the passage that made everybody acceptable, because they thought... uh, Ecclesiastes, Koheleth, was uh, sounded rather dismal and disappointing and all is futile. And, but when you really study it, you realize what he's saying is, look, the beast, our bodies, goes back to where all beasts goes to. There's no difference between us and an animal. But the spirit of the man returns to God. And so it's fascinating. But go ahead, you're going to say something. Well, I think a lot of uh, Christian preachers have used that uh, twelfth, that twelfth uh, chapter in their uh, in their sermonizing, uh, and uh, it's 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 really heavy uh, heavy poetry. Uh, I, I I didn't know that the, that it was uh, subject to possibly not being a uh, holy book. I do believe that it's a compilation of his uh, of his writings, and that a priest wrote it. Uh, Commenting on some of Solomon's failings because it did result in the uh, ultimately resulted in the breakup of the kingdom into two halves and or into the, the northern kingdom into breaking away. Uh, but uh, not that they shouldn't have kept coming to Jerusalem. They quit coming to Jerusalem even, which is was terrible. But uh, uh, but uh, Solomon's failings uh, did did result in that flaw and in, in the in the the twelve tribe uh, nation. But uh, I, I do believe that uh, Soloveitchik, again, he was writing in, the, I believe it was the same essay, he's talking about uh, the Christians say, oh, you can't hate, you can't hate. But uh, 
I believe it's chapter 3, he says, no, there's a time to hate. And uh, Soloveitchik says there, there are people who we have to hate. And, and uh, Agag had to be cut in pieces by, uh, by uh, the, the Judge Samuel and uh, other, other things that happen. Uh, it's, it's kind of sad, but th- th- these, these terrible things have to be done. Uh, uh, and and, and that hate is even involved in it, even though it's, it's in measure and it's, it's deserved. But uh, the Christians want to just forgive everything uh, a lot of times, and uh, there was a, I guess there's the there's the uh, the story that uh, Weizenthal told about that about the man who Weizenthal would not forgive when when the man said uh, the the Nazi war criminal, he said I've given my life to Jesus, will you please forgive me? And 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 Weizenthal would not forgive him, and and they. Uh, about uh, a dozen or half a dozen uh, Jewish people commented on uh, Wiesenthal's decision, and about a half a dozen Christian clergymen commented on Wiesenthal's decision. And all the Christians said, no, he should have forgiven. And all the rabbis said, no, he should not have forgiven. <laughs> and Soloveitchik came down on the side of, no, he should not have forgiven, because well, there's a time to do hate. You know, do you not, just to add, do you know the other part of that story? Uh, well, you can go ahead and flesh it out. Uh, oh. uh, no, I, I don't know the whole thing. I, I heard it. Well, I, I actually, actually in, in that conversation, Riesenthal gave the reason. He said, how can I forgive you? I'm not the person you killed. Ask yes. the person that killed you to forgive you. So ah, you're asking for forgiveness yes. from me, and I am not your victim. Mm-hmm. And yes. so I understand that the Nazi was trying to ask about uh, about a collective idea that the a Jewish person on behalf of the Jews should forgive mm. uh, the single German on behalf of all Germans. I, I understand mm-hmm. that. But he actually gave the answer that I'm not your victim. You didn't yeah. kill me. How do? And see, that's yeah. the one problem with asking for forgiveness because you have to ask from God. We all understand that. But you also have to ask the person that you harmed. And if that's one, that's the unforgivable deal because you can't get forgiveness from the person that's dead because you can't talk to him. He can't forgive you. He's right. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to be his, his. You have to be in his behalf, that dead person, right. because even he's he's gone. But even the children he might have had, right. he or his wife might have had, they're not there anymore either. Yeah. It's kind of like I, th- I look at it like like the schwa. Which is one of the, the furtive vowels in Hebrew. Sometimes it's pronounced it with a half uh, uh, vowel, a uh, furtive vowel, like in McDonald's. Uh, there's a vowel between the M and the C. There's a little schwa in there, and some. And then, then there's a vowel after the C and between the C and the D. That's not pronounced at all. And and I, I look at it as the schwa, the the the, the Jew who was killed. He's the little schwa that was just heard for a while, and then the the one that's not heard at all is the, is the child that he or she might have had that that they can't have because they're gassed in the gas chamber or they got a bullet in the back of the head. Uh, but uh, well, anyway, I'll tell you, I, I, you can uh, Google this. When I first opened, uh, I'll hurry a little bit because of time. But when I first opened the Holocaust Museum in Washington D.C., I've been there. I don't know if you've seen it, but they opened it. Had uh, sci- uh, um, gosh, the, uh, 
uh, Ali Vizel was there. And uh, and he was at the opening. It's, uh, you can watch it. It's actually on. You can Google it. And at the end, for the last ten minutes, the setting in in the in, in the Holocaust Museum is Walter Cronkite interviewing mm-hmm. Ali Wiesel. And it's one yeah. of the most dramatic things you could see, because Walter Cronkite. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember who he was? He was a big newscaster, right? Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. And uh, by the way, nobody will recognize this, but I do it for our older listeners. Uh, here's my Walter Cronkite impersonation. And that's the way it was. Anyway, but uh, go at, at the end of this uh, segment, when they opened the Halloween Costume Museum for the last 10 minutes, they're sitting there. And it gets very moving because Walter Cronkite says, I have something to admit to you. He said, My grandparents killed your grandparents. Do you hold that against me? And uh, he said, L.A. Vazell gave the correct answer. He said, I can't hold it against you. You didn't do it. Children are not responsible for the sins of their parents, and the parents are not responsible for the sins of, of their children. He said, so I can't hold it against you. But... Um, uh, and every, every time I've seen that, I thought, wow, what a piece of drama that is. Mm-hmm. I'll just uh, let you go. I, I will tell you the eclipse is coming, and Lincoln is very much on my mind because it's it's coming ashore at Lincoln City, uh-huh. and it's going it's going by at Fort Sumter where the where the uh, the South started the Civil War. So uh, it's uh, Lincoln is very much on my mind as this eclipse approaches. It's in one month. Uh, well, you have a blessed uh, evening, and I'm sorry to tie up all your time. No, no, no. Thank you for calling. Okay, and. Uh... And so I know we're getting short on time, but uh, this is uh, really the theme. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, when he's saying it's futile, it's futile. In other words, you're not going to be able, as he says, it's dust to dust, spirit to spirit. His understanding, indeed the modern understanding, is, is that the spirit returns to God. The animal, like any other animal, goes to the dust. But the theme is and perhaps somebody if you would like to you can look it up you will find it in chapter 8 of Ecclesiastes verse 8 very simple to remember 8 8 no man has control over his spirit to restrain, restrain the spirit there's no authority on the day of death there's no reinforcement in war or evil that cannot be done by the perpetrator in other words this is why it's futile the spirit's going to heaven, according to Solomon, but the animal returns to dust. So you can't control your spirit, as it says in eight eight. What you can control is what you do, and basically, the Jewish understanding of the beginning of Genesis is: you have your choice. You can choose to live like an animal, or you can choose to live more like a spiritual being. And so that is your free will. Anything else beyond that is futile. You can't control your spirit. Works in the Jewish world and the Christian world, you cannot work your way or do good deeds to get to heaven. That has nothing to do with it. Your good deeds, what you do here, is for here. That part you can control. After death, you have lost that ability to control that. And so the theme is, in Ecclesiastes is, observe it. Everything dies. 
So the only thing that can make a difference is what you choose to do. And, that, and if I might just touch real quickly on the book of Galatians, as I understand the book of Galatians is there was an argument going on between what they call the Judaizers, which really uh, were a group of Christians that had non-Jews, Jews like any other group of Christians. And they were saying, okay, you believe in Jesus, that's fine. And they were trying to say, but you also should do the Jewish laws. Paul was saying, no, you don't have to. He's saying, look, if there was a promise made to all of mankind before the law, the giving of the law doesn't change that promise. That's what Paul is trying to explain to these folks. And so he says, listen, do what you're supposed to do. It's the right thing to do good. But don't worry about the other part, because you don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to do the rest to get to heaven. That's up to God. So you can see that what he's saying is in very close consistency with the book of Ecclesiastes. John, what do you think about all that? Say say that again, sir? What do you think about all that? I was looking up uh, that Walter Cronkite clip you were talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Okay, well, never mind. So uh, what you should say is that I find that very interesting. Well, I find everything you talk about interesting. Oh, well, actually, so do I. <laughs> as, as an expert on your own opinion, right? Yeah, and you know what an expert is, right? What's that? Uh, I am an expert in my own opinion, and an X is a has-been, and a spurt is a drip under pressure. So you're an ex-drip under pressure? There you go. See, I knew you're a former. I knew you'd catch right on it. <laughs> I had great confidence in you. So, okay, I know we only got a minute left, but now you'll understand why I like right. to repeat any time I can. Well, a phrase that one of my relatives, an aunt, uh, had said to me a long time ago, and I thought this is such a perfect phrase. Everybody knows what you'd like for a friend or for a parent. Everybody knows that. So she said, always remember, be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. And that's what's really going on in the book of Ecclesiastes. And that Mm -hmm. really is going on in Galatians too. So be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. Sounds simple but on the surface, but it's pretty profound, actually. It is profound. Even coming from you. (laughs) I'm just repeating it. I'm only the vehicle. I'm not the creator. That is true. That is true. Uh, so next week, uh, Soapy will be back. And uh, if, with any luck, I'll still be the temporary uh, permanent host. So playtime will be over then. Uh-huh. Uh. All right. You all have a good evening, and thank you for listening. Thank you for calling in tonight, Rich and Esther and, and, and uh, Bob. We appreciate it. Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. 
may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help clear military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.